You are listening to audio recorded at the Village Church. For more information, go to villagechurchbaltimore.com. Today's scripture, scripture passage comes from Galatians 6, 1 through 10. Please stand for our reading. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. We've been going through the book of Galatians. We've been slowly making our way uh, through the book over the last several months, and to, uh, we are almost done. I think today is the second to last sermon. Today's sermon is titled, Am I My Brother's Keeper? Am I My Brother's Keeper? And this uh, question uh, is not from this passage. It's from another passage that I think is related. It's from Genesis 4. And in Genesis 4, there's a story of two brothers named Cain and Abel. And uh, long story short, Cain kills Abel. That's his brother. And then uh, um, God appears to Cain and asks Cain where Abel is, where his brother is. And Cain says, I do not know, am I my brother's keeper? I do not know, am I my brother's keeper? And this is, uh, and Cain was wrong here on three counts. Uh, one, he was wrong because he killed his brother. Okay, so uh, if you're considering killing someone today, don't do it. That's wrong, okay? Very basic stuff, but I have to say just in case, okay? So that's the first reason why he was wrong. Number two, he's wrong because he was lying. He said, I do not know where Abel is, and he did know. I mean, he killed him, so he, he knew where he was, obviously. So that's the second reason why he's wrong. And the third reason, which is more subtle, is that he asked, am I my brother's keeper? which implied that he didn't think it was his duty, it was his role to look out for his brother. Even if he didn't kill his brother, imagine this scenario, even if he didn't kill his brother, and even if he didn't know where his brother was, uh, I think he was still being the wrong because it was his duty as a brother to look out for Abel, to care for Abel, to make sure Abel was doing okay. I think Cain, uh, he's essentially saying I'm not responsible for my brother's well-being. His business is his business. My business is my business. I'm not in charge of him. It doesn't matter to me if he's lost or if he's hurt or whatever, right? The first two sins, murder and lying, those are obviously wrong, and I think we can all have a consensus on that. But the third sin sometimes is more subtle. It's more subtle, but I think it's also wrong. Uh, But because it's so subtle, I think this is the, the sin that a lot of us, we struggle with the most. You know, most of us, we don't struggle a whole lot with 
you know, murder or lying, I guess lying less so, but, uh, but I think this idea of not taking responsibility where you should be taking responsibility, I think that's something that many of us struggle with. So that's what I want to talk about today. Um, you know, what does it mean to be a good person? Uh, you can think about it this way. I think being a good person requires two things. The first thing it requires is you don't do bad things, okay? Uh, obviously, if you want to, if you're doing bad things, you're not, a, you know, a good person. But the second thing that it requires is that you should do good things, and I think that's, uh, I think there's a lot of folks, they think, oh, I, in order to be a good person, I just can't do bad things. I can't kill people, I can't lie, I can't cheat, I can't cuss or whatever. They fill in the blank and they say, if I don't do these things, if I don't do all these bad things, then I'm a good person. Um, but I think it's more than that. I think being a good person is also doing other things that are good. It's not just not doing bad things. If you don't do bad things, you're just neutral, Okay. But to be good, not neutral, then you also have to do good things. For example, taking responsibility. And so there are active steps we do in order to be good. And um, I think this is what Galatians 5.13 is about. Uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Paul writes in Galatians 5.13, he says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. In other words, at one point in time, you were in slavery to sin, Jesus set you free from sin, so now you're not doing bad things anymore. But it's not like you just do nothing now, okay? Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Now use this freedom to serve one another. Now do good things. I think that's what Paul's saying. It's not just don't do bad things. It's now you are in a position where you are freed, you are empowered, equipped to also do good things. In other words, it's not enough to just not kill or not steal or whatever. Uh, you also need to take responsibility. Um, look out for those who are in need. And that's the thing I want to address today. I think this is what the passage is talking about. Are we being our brothers and sisters keepers? I'm throwing sisters in there too. I think we should do that for them as well. Okay. Are we being our brothers and sisters keepers? Are we taking responsibility for our brothers and sisters? Um, whether they're immediate family members or whether they're brothers and sisters in the church. Um, this is really relevant in Paul's day. You know, one of the startling things in Paul's day uh, is this phenomenon going on, which is called the multi-ethnic church. Uh, before the church came around, most Jews and Gentiles didn't really interact with one another. Just in that society at that time, they never really crossed paths. Uh, Jews hung out in their circles, Gentiles hung out in their circles, and they never really did much together. And then all of a sudden, this church started, and there's a strange thing going on, which is that Jews and Gentiles were... Uh, mingling together, worshiping together, meeting, gathering regularly together, and they were getting to know one another. And uh, it was, so it took, you know, some time to work out some of the, you know, some of the tension, some of the issues going on that naturally arose. Uh, and, and so throughout Galatians, I think Paul is providing a theological foundation for why this should happen and why you should work, be at peace with one another, why you should uh, die to one another, why the gospel calls us to uh, break down barriers. And then towards the end of the book, he, he sort of goes through some practical applications. And in Galatians 6, he gets really practical. And I think in essence, he's saying, don't just tolerate one another. Don't just be neutral but love one another and serve one another, share life with one another, take responsibility for one another and bear one another's burdens. I think that's what he's getting at in Galatians 6. I'm going to dive in and read verse 1 and 2 again. I mean, we'll talk a little bit about it. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. 
So Paul says brothers here, and he does this a lot. When he says this, he's talking about both sexes. Okay, don't get freaked out. So this word, brothers, is used a lot in the New Testament. And it's referred to, I mean, it, it, when it's used, it's usually lingo for fellow followers of Jesus. Okay, so that's who Paul's talking to. He's talking to fellow followers of Jesus. And the idea is if we all have God as our father, then we all have one another as brothers and sisters, right? We have all been adopted into the same family. And so we all have these adopted you know, these step, I mean, not these step, these brothers and sisters who have been inherited into the family as well. And so Paul's talking to Christians here. And the essence of verse one and two, I think, is that Christians are to take responsibility for other Christians, right? Christians are to take responsibility for other Christians. And Paul talks about two examples. He says, firstly, if there is someone in the church who is in sin, then it is your responsibility as a fellow Christian to restore that person with a spirit of gentleness, that's the first thing you should do, right? And the second thing is, if someone in the church has a burden, then it is your responsibility to help bear that burden. And when we do that, Paul says in verse 2, we fulfill the law of Christ. And uh, Paul does this a lot in Galatians where he talks about how we are freed from the law to fulfill the law. And, and it's just sort of this ironic thing where we're not slaves to the law, but we are called to uh, fulfill the law in a new inspired way. And I think what Paul uh, Paul is saying here is we are following in Christ's way of doing things. You can think about that. We're following in Christ's way of doing things. And Paul and Christ did exactly this, right? Jesus, when he was on earth, he, um, he restored people in sin with a spirit of gentleness. And Jesus, when, when he was here on earth, he uh, bore people's burdens. And so in order to fulfill that way of doing things, we do the same to one another. And I think this is countercultural because in today's world, we have a very strong you do you culture, right? You do you, meaning uh, you, might, you might hear this phrase, like someone says, uh, oh, I'm, I'm doing this and I'm doing this. And then you go, well, that's kind of weird. I want to do that if I were you. But you do you, you know, you do you, right? And it's this, I'm not taking responsibility over who you are. You know, I'm not in charge of, I'm not your boss and I'm not going to tell you what to do. And I might disagree with what you're doing and I want to do it that way. I think it's kind of dangerous or unsafe or risky, but you do you. And that's sort of our culture. We don't like to step on one another's toes. We don't like to call people out for their sins. We don't like to uh, take on people's problems. Um, or another way you can think about it is uh, we have a mind your own business culture, right? You do, I mean, you mind your own business. I mind your own business. And uh, don't tell me what to do. And don't, you're not the boss of me. And let me do my own thing. And so that's sort of how our culture runs. Um, and so uh, we have this culture that's marked by our own independence and uh, the moment you start telling people what to do, you, the moment you start saying, hey, I, let me help you out, then, then you, you sort of cross this line into uh, judgmental bigotry, okay? And so we, and so we don't want to do that. We don't want to be judgmental. We don't want to be bigoted. And so we just sort of stick to our own, to our own business, right? And the thing is, um, sometimes when people say, uh, don't tell me what to do, you're just being a judgmental bigot, sometimes they're right, okay? Which, unfortunately, um, sometimes... Uh, when you do tell people what to do and you do call people on, your, on their sin and when you do try to help people out, you do so in a judgmental way. And, um, you know, I think there's, that's always a temptation, of course, uh, when we care for other people, uh, when we live out this mentality of uh, trying to take ownership and try to take responsibility and when we try to be our brother's keeper, sometimes we have this temptation uh, to think of ourselves as better than they are. 
right? We may think stuff like, you know, why are you so sloppy or why are you so immature or why are you so lazy or why can't you get your life together? Why are you so bad with money or why are you so needy? We think all these things and we think we're better than the other person. And I think that's why Paul writes verse three, okay? Verse three, he says, for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. In other words, don't think you are better than someone else you're helping out, okay? And then verse four, he, and then he turns it on the individual, Right? He says, uh, but let each one test his own work. To test your own work, that means sort of uh, be introspective, look at yourself, examine yourself, make sure what, that your attitude is in the right place. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. Um, he says we should boast in ourselves and not in our neighbor. And I think what he's getting at is in this word boast, uh, it can also be translated, you know, to rejoice in ourselves or to take pride in ourselves. And, and I think what Paul's getting at is he's saying when you're looking at yourself, when you're examining yourself, when you're being introspective, uh, it's good to, rejo- to rejoice in your progress, to say, you know what, I'm doing pretty good. You know, I used to do this uh, thing that was bad and I've improved, I've grown and I'm, I'm right here now. And it's good to, to rejoice in that, to be proud of yourself. But he says, don't do it, I think, at the expense of other people. Don't do it at the expense of other people, meaning don't gloat over someone else. Don't, I mean, you can enjoy the progress you've made, but don't get so caught up in comparing yourself with someone else who doesn't have your progress. Right? Understand that everyone has their own journey, their own pace. And I think this is especially key because, you know, when, um, when we're trying to help people out who have burdens, we're trying to bear other people's burdens, when people are in sin, we're trying to restore them, I think it can be easy for ourselves to think of ourselves as better than they are and go, man, this guy, we gotta, he, gotta, he needs to get his act together. What's going on with this guy? I might as well help him because I don't know what's gonna, what he's going to do with his life, you know? And we have this mentality and he's saying, be careful, be careful, watch out, right? Understand everyone has their own journey, their own pace. You know, when we think about Jesus restoring people who are in sin, or when we think about Jesus bearing people's burdens, um, you know, I think when I read these stories, I never get the vibe that he was judgmental, that he was bigoted, that he thought super highly of himself, that he gloated over other people. He could have, but he never did, right? He, he was uh, firm, but he was also gracious. He, uh, and, uh, he was steadfast in his standards, uh, but he always spoke with gentleness. And I think that's the model we're supposed to follow. Verse five, for each will have to bear his own load. Now I think this verse is funny because verse two, remember in verse two, it said, bear one another's burdens. And then verse five, it says, for each one will have to bear his own load. That seems contradictory, right? Are we supposed to bear other people's burdens? Are we supposed to bear our own burdens? Which one is it? And I think it's both. I think it's both. I think Paul is saying, you are your brother's keeper, but remember, you are your own keeper too. I think, it was Paul, that's, think that's what Paul is saying. You are supposed to take care of other people and remember, first and foremost, you're supposed to take care of yourself. Um, and then after this, uh, Paul sort of reiterates verse two. He says in verse six, let the one who was taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Now, in uh, Paul's specific context, I think what he's talking about is there are these people who are teaching the church, they're leaders, and Paul is saying, you know, if these people are teaching you, you got to care for these people too, whether through uh, monetary support or whatever means, you got to care for these people too. And it, but I think the, the, um, the larger application is you have some people who have these gifts, they're teaching, and they're sharing that with the church. 
And you have other people who are recipients of that gift who have another gift, maybe uh, finances or something, and they're sharing that with the whole church. And I think that's the overarching principle is uh, if you are in a church, if you are part of a group of people, then you need to share your gifts. You need to share your blessings. You need to share life with those in the church. And I think you might think, what does that have to do with anything? I think this is in direct response to verse 5. And so I think this is what Paul is doing, okay? He's saying uh, verse 1 and 2, bear one another's burdens. You need to care for one another, okay? Call each other, call out sin when you see it, you know, help each other out when you see it, but, you know, don't gloat over other people, don't have a big head. Uh, in fact, you need to bear your own load, okay? So this is sort of like a, a nuance to this first statement. And then he's nuancing this verse five again with verse six, he's saying, okay, but also don't get isolated, don't get independent, okay? When, when I say bear your own load, not saying you just hang out by yourself, you also need to be plugged into community, you need to share life with other people. So I think that's what, so it might seem like all these sentences are kind of disjointed, but I think this is intentional. Paul is saying that the Christian life has nuance. The Christian life has nuance. You need to be sharing life with other people. You need to be bearing one another's burdens, but also you need to be taking responsibility for yourself, watching your own heart, examining yourself, bearing your own load. And I think this is uh, really important for today's day and age because we often have very polarized opinions. Uh, this idea of nuance is really key because we often have very polarized opinions and sometimes there are voices, when we talk about burdens, okay, sometimes there are voices that say, you need to bear people's burdens. You need to die to yourself, die to your desires. And that's, what, that's one voice we hear. And on the other hand, we might hear, you know what? You need to bear your own load. Stop worrying about other people because that's making you anxious. That's making you stressed. You need to take care of yourself. Okay, so these are these alternative voices that we're hearing all the time, right? And Paul is saying we need to do both. We need to do both. It's a dual responsibility. It's not one or the other. It's not like you either take care of other people or you take care of yourself. You do both things. You share life with others, and then sometimes you rest, right? You, uh, you, you sacrificially serve other people, and then sometimes you take a break. This dual responsibility, uh, well, I like to call it, of uh, uh, bearing other people's burdens, but also bearing your own burden, I think sometimes it's difficult to balance. You know, I'm an Asian American, and, uh, and so I'm sort of like the, the hybrid of two different cultures. And uh, this isn't true of all Asians and all Americans, but by and large, okay, Asian people are really great at bearing one another's burdens. Asian people, by and large, are really great at bearing one another's burdens. What I mean by that is uh, they, it's a communal society, and they are, it's ingrained at an early age that the individual is not as important as the community. That's sort of ingrained. Like, you, if you have desires, you have aspirations, things like that, you need to lay them down for the sake of your family, for the sake of, you know, Milan was kind of like about, about that, right? Okay, you need to lay them down for the sake of um, the family, the unit, the, 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 the culture. And so and, uh, that's why you have all these situations where you have these parents, these immigrant parents, they live as if they are in poverty. They never spend money on themselves. They never eat out. They never buy nice clothes, never do anything. But they pay, they buy a house for their kids. You know, when the kids become adults, they, they buy, they put down a whole... Anyways, so that's ridiculous in a sense, unless, unless the community, unless the family is more important than the individual, right? And that's their value. And the same way, you know, children, uh, when they make decisions about what job they're going to take, you know, who they're going to marry, they, the, their parents have huge sways over their lives because you lay down your aspirations, you lay down your desires for the sake of uh, your family, right? 
And so it's a very communal uh, 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 culture where uh, you surrender your preferences for the sake of other people's preferences. You bear one another's burdens. And then, you know, and, and the, un, the sort of like the, um, the worst possible sin uh, for an Asian is to allow your parent to go into a nursing home. Okay, that's like the worst thing you can do because you, it's your duty to care for them, right? To provide for them. Anyways, Americans, by and large, not all Americans, of course, but many Americans, their sort of life philosophy is uh, you got to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You got to take care of yourself. Don't let anyone tell you what to do. And so it's almost the exact opposite. Uh, you, you can't let other people tell you how to run your life. And, you know, this is sort of like if I would choose, if there is one prevailing theme in uh, pop music, it's this, right? You need to stand up for yourself. You got to fight for yourself. You got to love yourself. You know, don't, tell people, don't let people run your life. Um, and it's this idea of um, bear your own load. Everybody's got to bear your own load. If you don't work, you don't eat, that sort of thing, right? And, um, and I think sometimes this mentality is more subtle. Sometimes it's you see a need, someone else has a need, and you say, that's not my job. That's not my concern. That's not my responsibility. And what you do is you draw these thick boundaries around what is your responsibility, what, is the, what are the things you're in charge of, and everything else is, you don't need to worry about that. That's someone else's business. That's someone else's job. And so, you know, as an Asian American, sometimes it's confusing for me to know what I'm supposed to do. And even if you're not an Asian American, I'm sure many of you struggle with this too. There are times where you're not sure if you're at that moment, you're supposed to be taking care of someone else or if you're supposed to be taking care of yourself. Uh, for example, let's say, this happens sometimes, I'm at work, okay? Oh, I'm in the middle of work. I have a lot of things to do on my plate for the day. And I get a call from someone and this isn't someone who calls often and I have a feeling that this is gonna be a one hour phone call or more, you know? And so that's, that's a decision I have to make. At that moment, Am I supposed to be faithful at my job, complete my job, or am I going to sacrifice the quality of my job, potentially, and take this phone call? And maybe that means, you know, tonight I have to stay up an extra hour after my family's gone to bed and I need to do work, right? That's a decision. Do I do this thing for someone else or I do this thing for myself? Here's another example. Let's say uh, we're saving up for a, a vacation. Every month we're putting money aside. We're going to go on a vacation soon. That's our goal. And then let's see, let's find, we find out one day there's someone that we know, a friend, who has a dire situation. Maybe it's a health issue or, you know, someone needs help paying bills, something. Someone needs help. And so there's this fundraiser going around. People are asking for donations. Okay, what do I do? Right? It's a very similar decision. Do I take care of ourselves because we haven't had a vacation in a very long time, continue investing in this vacation? Or do we put our vacation on hold or have a, a less nice vacation so that we can help this person in need, right? The, these are very practical situations that happen to us all the time. I feel like almost every day, every week at least, we're faced with these decisions. Am I supposed to bear someone else's burden or am I supposed to bear my own load? I don't think there are clear-cut answers. I think, um, you know, it depends on the context, depends on you, depends on your capabilities and all that. But I think there are two clear-cut principles, which is that we need to take care of other people and we need to take care of ourselves. And I think we should regularly be asking ourselves, am I taking care of other people too much so that I'm neglecting myself? Or am I taking care of myself too much so that I'm neglecting other people? 
Um, I think one way to think about it is one thing I try to apply a lot is draw healthy boundaries, but draw them in pencil. Draw healthy boundaries, but draw them in pencil. And this is what I mean. So I think it's good for you to have boundaries around your life to say, these are my commitments. These are the things I need to do. And anything outside of that, it's not my responsibility. I think that basic mentality is okay to have, but always be open to the opportunity or to the possibility that things may change. Always be open to the possibility that God may call you at a specific moment. He may give you a specific opportunity to go outside of your normal boundaries to help someone in need when you weren't expecting it. I think that's always a mentality we should have in, you know, what that means is, uh, so here's an example, you know, uh, recently, maybe about a year ago or so, uh, we, my wife and I, we had this big conversation about how often I should go out of the house to do church-related activities in the evening. And this is just very practical. You know, I'm a pastor, just so you know. One of the struggles of, uh, <laughs> in the case you didn't know, uh, one of the struggles, I think, with being a pastor is uh, balancing work and life because for, I think for a lot of folks, ministry is sort of, you know, um, is separate from the job. But for me, it's all tied up together. And uh, sometimes I think there could, I can have a tendency to work more than I need to just because I think of ministry as a good thing. This is what I'm supposed to do as a pastor. And so I'm meeting with people. I'm doing all these things. And so uh, but I think we, we sort of came to a consensus. We've been coming to this consensus for a really long time. But we came, really came to this consensus about a year ago that I was just spending too much time outside the house. I wasn't spending enough time with the family. Uh, I wasn't uh, spent eating dinner with them often enough. And so we came to this decision, which was I would limit myself to going out of the house three times in the evenings per week. So three evenings per week, uh, I'm going to go out of the house. Okay. Uh, but we wrote this boundary in pencil. And what I mean by that is sometimes weeks happen and I'm out of the house for times out of the week or five times out of the week or one time out of the week or whatever. It's it's not a strict thing. It's this idea is this is our standard. These are our normal rhythms, our normal habits. And sometimes it's okay if we don't meet that. If we don't meet that all the time, then I think that's an issue that becomes unhealthy. Uh, But I think it's okay sometimes to not meet that because we're writing it in pencil and not in pen. Um, And I think that's, you know, I'm not telling you that's what you need to do. Everyone's context is different. Uh, We all have different capacities, uh, but I think the basic principle is that we should try to live both of these out. We should take care of ourselves. We should take care of one another. And if there are boundaries you can draw around your life uh, that can help you and leave open the possibility that God might might cause you to cross those boundaries, I think that would be ideal. Okay, let's keep going. Um, You know, one of the things that we may feel uh, when we are trying to do this dual thing of taking care of ourselves, taking care of other people, is we, we may feel kind of weary and tired. Um, and I think that's normal, uh, which is why Paul writes verse 7 to 9. He says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Here Paul, he's using this metaphor of sowing seeds and reaping crops. And he's, uh, it's fitting because in the chapter before, he's comparing the works of the flesh with the fruit of the spirit. So he's taking this fruit analogy and taking a little more. And he's saying, uh, you can invest in your flesh 
and you produce fleshly qualities or you can invest in the spirit and produce spiritual qualities. And he's saying, uh, when you plant seeds in the ground, this is sort of the analogy, when you plant seeds in the ground, uh, you don't see fruit open overnight. Um, it doesn't pop up overnight. Sometimes there's a really long time we don't see anything at all um, because it's just a seed and you might dig it up. You, you might plant a seed in the ground and the next day you might dig it up and see, it's still a seed. I don't see any difference and you might put it in the ground again. Um, and, I think, and he says, that's normal. That's part of the process. And I think the idea is uh, if you stick to the plan, stick to the plan, you water it, you give it sunshine, day after day, you might not see a difference day to day, but one day it's going to be a harvest. One day you're going to reap what you sowed. And, um, and he's writing that there because I think he's, he's, he, he, he knows that when you're trying to do good, when you're trying to bear one another's burdens, when you're trying to carry your own load, when you're trying to do the right thing, when you're trying to bear the fruit of the Spirit, it's hard work. It's very hard work, and it can be exhausting. And you may feel like you want to give up. You may wonder, is it worth it? You know, when you're trying to care for someone in need, it might seem like, you know, I'm doing all these things for this brother over here and he's just stuck in this rut. He can't get himself together. And I'm helping him out, I'm helping him out today and I did the same thing last week and it seems like he's made zero progress. Is it worth it? And I think Paul's reminder here is, here is it is worth it. Keep working at it. Don't give up because one day you will reap. And sometimes you're the person that you're trying to help yourself. Maybe you're not trying to help someone else. You're trying to help yourself. You're trying to carry your own load. And it seems like every day you just keep falling down. You know, every day you keep falling and falling and falling. And it feels like there's no progress. And I think Paul's message is the same. Don't give up. Because in due season, you're going to reap. So whether it's bearing other people's burdens or bearing your own load, our day-to-day efforts are not in vain. So keep pressing on. That brings us to the last verse, verse 10. Paul says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, if you thought it was difficult balancing uh, bearing your own burden versus bearing one another's burdens, here's another layer. He says, Bear everyone's burdens. <laughs> let us do good to everyone. Um, in other words, we are not only our own keepers. We're not only our brother's keepers. We are, in a sense, everyone's keepers. We're sort of responsible for everyone's well-being. And that's pretty radical stuff, you know. Um, but it wasn't just Paul who taught this. Jesus taught this too in a few places. But there's one in particular in Luke chapter 10. Jesus is talking to this lawyer. And they're talking about this command in the Old Testament, love your neighbor as yourself. And this lawyer asks, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus tells a story, which we now call the story of the Good Samaritan. And in this story, there's a man, he's beaten up on the side of the road, uh, half dead. And then two people walk by. And what they do is they have these boundaries and they stick to their boundaries. They walk by and they don't do anything. And then a Good Samaritan comes by, someone of a different ethnic group. He walks by and he decides he's going to allow the situation to interrupt his schedule, to interrupt his routine. He he bandages this person, puts him on his donkey, and goes to an inn. He pays for that person, and he promises, if you need more money, uh, send the bill to me. And Jesus' lesson is, the question to this answer, uh, who is my neighbor, is everybody. Everybody, even total strangers on the side of the road. Those people are your neighbor too. And so when we say love your neighbor as yourself, we are even supposed to love these total strangers of a different ethnic group on the side of the road, even those people as ourselves. I think the lesson of the Good Samaritan is we are to do good to everyone as we have opportunity. 
I think that's a lesson. So whether it's a homeless man on the street, whether it's someone on the other side of the world who's suffering from a natural disaster, I think the duty of the Christian, the calling of the Christian is to have concern to say that person who is suffering is my responsibility too. Those people are also our neighbors. And if we have opportunity, we are to do good to them as well. Now, you might be thinking, that, how can that be? You know, that, that can't be right. I can't be in charge of everybody. You know, there are billions of people in this world. You know, I only have five bucks in my, in my wallet. How am I supposed to care for every single person in the world? And I think that's, if you were thinking that, I think you'd be accurate. You can't. You can't possibly care for everybody in the world. You don't have that capability. And I think what it's supposed to do is it's supposed to elevate us to this, uh, this mentality of concern for everybody, but also make us aware of our limitations. You know, I think sometimes uh, when we think about caring for people, I think we have two extremes, okay? Either, uh, either we, we say, you know what, it's not my responsibility to care for everybody. It doesn't matter if people are suffering. You know, I'm just taking care of myself and my own. Um, and yeah, I don't need to worry about everyone else. Or we say, I'm going to try to care for everybody and I'm going to burn out in the process. I'm going to give myself to everybody. I'm going to give nothing to myself and I'm going to suffer and I'm, I'm not going to be emotionally healthy. And so these are just two extremes we have, right? But I think the lesson here is we're supposed to uh, have, we're supposed to take responsibility over everyone while recognizing our limitations and be content with the idea that we can't save everybody. Um, what does this look like? You know, uh, let's imagine uh, you bump into a stranger on the street asking for money. This happens all the time in Baltimore, right? You're walking somewhere, and you have uh, you have to be somewhere at a certain time. Okay, you're meeting up with someone, or you're going to work, fill in the blank, and someone comes up to you and asks if you have change to spare. This is a stranger. This is sort of like a good Samaritan sort of scenario. What do you do in this context? Well, I would say it depends, you know. I'll just tell you what I've done. Sometimes, if I have the opportunity, I think that's the key in this verse, right? Galatians 6.10, if you have opportunity. Sometimes, if I have opportunity, meaning if I have time to spare, okay, uh, I try to fulfill that need. I ask them, hey, what do you need? Sometimes they need a, they need a meal. Okay, Royal Farms is right there. Let's go in real quick, five minutes. I'm going to grab you a bite to eat, Okay. Sometimes I've done this too. If this freaks you out, you don't, you don't need to do this, but I'm telling you, this is what I've done. Sometimes people say, you know what, I need, a, I need bus money. I need to go to the other side of town. I need to go to this place. And I say, do you really need bus money? If you really need, do you really need to get there? If you really need to get there, I have time to drive you there. And sometimes they change their mind. Actually, I don't need bus money, okay? But sometimes, <laughs> so, but sometimes they're honest and I have actually driven people 20 minutes across town to somewhere that they say they need to go, okay? And I've done that. But I'll tell you what I do the majority of the time. The majority of the time, I walk by. The majority of the time, I walk by and I don't do anything at all. Why? Because Galatians 6.10 says, do good to everyone, especially to the household of faith. 
And I need to recognize, okay, if I'm spending time with this person, if I'm spending money for this person, that means there is less time for someone else. That means there's less money for someone else. Whether it's myself, whether it's my family, whether it's my church, fill in the blank. If I'm spending time or money on this stranger over here, I'm spending less time or money on someone else. And in that moment, I need to make this mental decision. Am I going to spend my time and money on this person or my time and money on someone else? I need to make that decision. And if there is opportunity, if I have the time, if I think I have the time to spare, if I think I have the money to spare to help this person, to serve this person, then I need to do that because Paul calls me to do good to everyone. But if I do this mental exercise in my mind, I realize, you know what, at this moment, I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I don't want to take from my responsibility at home because if I drive this person across town, it might mean I'm uh, uh, late for dinner at home. I don't want to do that. Then it means I'm going to say no. But I think every day, I think we have these opportunities and I think there are opportunities for us to make this decision. I think when we say no to someone, I don't think we should say no with this mentality of it's not my responsibility. I think we need to say no with the, with the mentality of I need to spend my time and money on somewhere else, somewhere else, on someone else, because that's how to best prioritize my time. Do I feel guilty sometimes? Yes, I do. Um, I think this is uh, sort of this thing we go through all the time. When I let people down, when I say no to people, I feel guilty. But I think those are the times when I need to remind myself, it's not up to me to save everybody. It's not up to me to fix everything. I need to understand God calls me to love everyone, but to the best of my capability, and I have limitations too. Sometimes I need to have the conviction to say, you know what, sorry, I can't help. And I just keep walking. And that's not wrong. That's just sticking to your boundaries. Um, here's this diagram, okay? Uh, here's uh, three concentric circles. The circle in the middle is you. I think this is non-negotiable. I think uh, this is saying you need to take care of yourself. If you have needs, if you, this is why on planes, uh, they say, if you've ever been on a plane, they say, when the oxygen masks come down, if you have a kid next to you, make sure you have your own oxygen mask on first before you help your kid. This is the mentality. If you are not doing well, if you're burning yourself so that you're stressed and anxious and you're not doing well, you're making ends meet, you're trying to make ends meet and you can't afford to eat, you got to take care of yourself. You got to bear your own load. If you have opportunity, if you are at a stable enough level, it doesn't mean you're totally comfortable, but if you're at a stable enough level where you have some time, some capacity to care for your household of faith, your family around you, then I encourage you to do that. But don't burn yourself doing that. But if you have the capacity, do that. And it doesn't mean you're at a total stable level, but if you have even more capacity, if you have the time, you have the money, you have the resources to care for everybody, people that you bump into on the street or people that you hear about on the news who need money or fill in the blank, then do that as well. So I think you have this primary responsibility. I think you have this secondary responsibility. I think you have this tertiary responsibility. Um, and I think we need to be careful to not allow any single one of these overrun our whole lives, right? I don't know about you, you know, but one of the most difficult things is uh, there's so much need everywhere. There's so much need in our lives so much need in the lives of people in our church, so much need we see all around us on the news or just in our city, in our neighborhood. Sometimes it can get, get kind of overwhelming. Um, and uh, I think sometimes uh, we don't know what to do. Um, I think the message of the gospel is that we are to turn to Jesus. We're supposed to turn to Jesus. Sometimes we can fall on either extreme. Remember we talked about these extremes. We, t we say uh, either 
I'm going to do nothing. I'm not going to take responsibility because it's too overwhelming. I'm going to stick to myself. Or we do this extreme where we, uh, I want to help everybody. I'm trying to fix everything. And I have no sleep at night because I'm stressed out. What did Jesus do? Jesus did both extremes. And he sort of did this magical middle, this third way. First off, Jesus was his brother's keeper. Jesus, he was the man that Cain was supposed to be. Jesus went out and he found his brothers and sisters living in sin. He restored them. Jesus chose to bear one another's burdens. He was the good Samaritan, right? He found us half dead on the street and he took us in, made sure we were healed and he paid for us. And he he invites us and commissions us to do the same for others. However, if you look at Jesus' life, Jesus, this is kind of radical to think about, Jesus also set boundaries. He set boundaries. You know, there were times where he talked to the crowds. He was doing good to everyone, so to say. And there were other times where he was hanging out with his disciples. And he would share things with his disciples, teach things to his disciples that he wouldn't share with everyone else. Right? Because I think he had this mentality. He was doing good to everyone, especially to the household of faith. And there were other times when he was hanging out by himself. He chose to uh, isolate himself at times, to pray to, to be by himself for a whole day. You know, he, he was in the wilderness 40 days, 40 nights. He chose at times to take care of himself. And there were times, can you believe this, that uh, people would go up to Jesus and ask him to do something and he would say, no. He would say, no, you know what? I need to do something else. Why? Was it because he's a jerk? No, because he understood he had his responsibilities, he had his capabilities, he, and he knew where he was supposed to go. He never said no for the sake for saying no. He always said no so that he could do something else. And I think that's what we need to learn from too. Um, one of the keys, I think, to Jesus was that he took responsibility for everybody, but he was content with his limitations. He took responsibility for everyone, but he was content with his limitations. And why was he content with his limitations? I think it's because he knew and he trusted that God would work all things out for good. And so it wasn't his role to heal every single person he ran into. It wasn't his role to teach every single person that he ran into. He knew and trusted that God had this plan and God was going to work things out for good. The secret to being okay with our limitations is knowing that God is the ultimate keeper of the world. Ultimately, you know, even though we try our best to be our own keepers, our brother's keepers, the world's keepers, God is the ultimate keeper of the world. And that's why we can relax. We can take a break. We don't have to be guilty or anxious or overwhelmed. We can trust in the fact that God has everything handled. Allow God to remove your worry, to remove your guilt, to give you contentment. You know, as much as, as highly as we think of ourselves, you know, as, uh, as much as we like to think we're something or we're nothing, at the end of the day, we're not all that. We're not all that. The world doesn't depend on you. The world depends on God. God is the ultimate keeper of the world. He has you in his hands. He has your family in his hands. He has the whole world in his hands. In a moment, we're going to be moving into a time of prayer and communion. Communion is when we remember Jesus' sacrifice for us. You know, of all the burdens in the world, the biggest burden of all was the burden of sin. We were all carrying it. From the day we were born, we were carrying that burden of sin. And every single day that went by, our burden got bigger and bigger. And what Jesus did when he died on the cross was he said, here, I'll take your burden. 
so you don't have to carry it anymore. You can be free. And that's what uh, we remember when we come to communion. Jesus has invited us to lay down our burdens. He said, come to me, all you who are, la- uh, uh, who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. And so when you're ready, you're a follower of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, I invite you to come up, come to the table, and come carrying your metaphorical burdens. And when you take the bread, which represents Jesus' body broken for you, and you dip it in the cup, which represents Jesus' blood shed for you, you eat it right there. That's your signal. That's, your, that's the sign that you're putting your burden down. You're taking Jesus instead. Jesus is taking on your burden instead. So that when you go back to your seats, your burden is gone. Let's pray. Father, um, some of us are carrying these burdens. Maybe they are, um, maybe it's a burden of sin that we've been carrying us with us for our whole lives and we've never really fully surrendered it to you. Um, it's marked us it's in, in so many ways and it's making us tired and uh, worn out and we're struggling and we're in pain and we're just so desperate to get this burden off our backs. God, you invite us to come to you and to drop it on the ground because you offer to carry it. And when you carry that cross up the hill to Golgotha, that was our metaphorical burden that you were carrying. And when you were nailed to that cross, that was your way of saying this burden is no more. It's gone. You don't have to carry it anymore. So maybe for some of us in this room, If that's what you're inviting us, that's what you're calling us to today, may you work in our hearts and help us to say yes. That's what we want. We want to lay down our burdens. We want to be free. Maybe for others of us, maybe we've done that before. Maybe we at one point in time, we've said, whether a long time ago or recently, we've said to you, I want you to forgive our sins. I want you to be Lord and Savior of my life. But God, these burdens, they still mark my life so much. God, help us to trust in you, to know that you are the ultimate keeper of our lives. And because of that, we don't have to experience guilt and shame. We don't have to worry. We don't have to stress out. We don't have to be anxious because we know you will provide. And God, we thank you so much that we have a church We're not called to walk this by ourselves, but we have a church that is called to bear one another's burdens. So whether it's other people's burdens that we are to bear or whether it's our burdens that other people are called to bear, we thank you so much that we have this family because we are stronger together. God, some of us, we're so afraid of asking for help. Maybe it's, uh, maybe we don't even think about it as fear. We just think about it as this is what it means to be a man. This is what it means to be strong. And God, may you remind us, we don't need to be all that. We don't need to be someone we're not. We can humble ourselves. We can say, I need help. And may we run to you. May we run to the church. May we get the help that we need. And those of us, God, that maybe we've been selfish, Uh, we stick to ourselves we take responsibility for our own if you are inviting us to die to ourselves to take up other people's burdens may you make that clear in our minds give us those opportunities and help us to step out in faith like the good Samaritan like Jesus we pray this in Jesus name Amen